0: Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We got back into Galatians last week. We've got about two more talks left in Galatians, and then we're going to start a new series uh, after that, you're all sort of wondering where we're going to go. We're going to go to the book of Daniel out of the Old Testament uh, for our next series. So we're going to jump into it. Anybody here called Daniel? Well, it's not named after you anyway, just in case you are called Daniel, right? It's just called Daniel, another Daniel. But we'll cover that in a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of weeks time. Okay, interesting, the um, guys are doing a cooking thing in a few weeks' time. That's sort of roughly where I'm going to open up um, today's talk, actually. Make sure, here, make sure I'm there. I can cook. Maybe. Well, I can put something in the microwave and heat it up, and then... That's cooking, isn't it? Anyway, tell me, what would you expect in the line of cooking? But that's not what the whole talk's going to be about. Tell me, what would you expect if I combined together a few eggs, some melted butter, a cup of sugar perhaps a little bit of self-raising flour as well, some vanilla essence, some coconut crumbs or desiccated coconut, is that what they call it? And added a measure of cocoa. If I blended that all together, had this beautiful mixture, popped it into the oven, 180 degrees? Too hot? 160 degrees? For 45 minutes? You would expect some sort of a cake to come out, wouldn't you? You'd expect something like that to come out. Perhaps a delicious cake. If you put all those things together and you followed the recipe and you followed the method and did it all as you should have, you would expect something good to come out of the oven that would be delicious and a bit of icing would just top it off. But if you think about it, it's all about the inputs, isn't it? And the person putting it together as well. But it's about the inputs. It's about what you put into it. It's about the things that actually go into that cake, as it were, that you sow into it, that you put into it. You expect something good to come out the other end. If I put in good ingredients, I expect something good to come out the other end. Well, Paul today, as we begin to wrap up here in Galatians, wants to talk about sowing and reaping. What we put into our lives is what we reap from our lives, for our life. What we sow is what we'll reap in life. So go to Galatians and we're going to read uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, and uh, allow the Lord to speak to us through that. Verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows Who are of the household of faith. Father, thank you. Thank you for this uh, great, glorious, wonderful opportunity to open up your word. We ask and pray, Lord, let the truth of your word speak into our hearts today. We ask, Holy Spirit, please unveil our darkened eyes or our hardened mind or our hardened heart to see this truth, to take hold of this truth and see the release and the transformation that you bring into our hearts and lives through it. We ask for your help and pray. power now we ask it in your name jesus amen that was better of the mic off wasn't it okay so paul's in the closing stages here of writing a letter to the galatians to help them into gospel living These people, the people of Galatia, have discovered that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is God and has saved them by his death on the cross. They've discovered that is their forgiveness, that is their salvation. But with this also they've discovered that what it is to be set free and to live this life in truth and in purpose for the Lord as well. It's not merely just salvation, that's super important, but actually it's living a whole new life now in truth and purpose to magnify and glorify God for what they've been truly designed for, created for. So Paul's in that. So, And when we read this sort of a passage here, as we look at these things... It can seem in these closing stages that Paul just throwing a few things out, like just a few pearls of wisdom to sort of just gather together to try and help you live the good life as it were. It could could seem that way if you sort of read through it the first time. But Paul's not finishing like that. He's actually tying this all together. Paul's inspired by the Holy Spirit here to do all he can to help these Galatians live a God-honoring life. That knows and experiences the blessings of the gospel through transformation as they put these things together. So it's more than just a few little handy tips in these few verses we've just read there. It really is the word of God for us to see today and obey for our good. And it is tied together. Now, a little bit different today than what we'd normally do. Sometimes I can spend quite a bit of time trying to explore and explain what Paul's saying here, but it's really simple what Paul's doing here today. He's got this main idea here, and then he he actually breaks it down into three applications for us to see how this works out in our lives. So here's where we're heading. Here's Paul's main idea. Whatever we sow or input into our lives will have a direct effect on what our life reaps or produces it's the law of sowing and reaping what you put in will have an effect of what comes out the other side uh, paul's big principle is what you sow is what you reap have a look in verse 7 for that he says there do not be deceived god is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. This is the law that God has ordained to take place in the world. The way he's um, said about the created order. It's the law of sowing and reaping. You put something in, you expect to get something out the other end. Uh, We've got a couple of farmers here. Tim is one farmer. Uh, Tim does a lot of sowing and reaping, depending on the seasons. If Tim sows or plants wheat seeds, he expects to reap or harvest Wheat of course, you put wheat into the ground, you expect wheat to come up. All of the God created design of a wheat seed when it's sown into the ground is actually there to produce more grains of wheat or seeds uh, of wheat. Jay is a painter that we have in our church here. If Jay is looking to protect a house with paint to look after its walls and keep it safe and well and enduring, he would be foolish if he bought this big tub of jam... And cover the walls in jam. What must Jay do? He must sew or input paint onto those walls to protect the walls. Now the ants might like that wall of jam and a lot of other insects could get stuck to it. But he would be foolish if he thought, I'll sew that onto the walls to produce protection for the walls. Paul's point here as he talks about this is God's law that he's designed for this world. What you or I sow or input into our life will have a direct effect on what we reap or produce with our life. What goes in must somehow affect what comes out the other side. We cannot mistake this law. It is all around us, visible for us to see each and every day through various people's lives and including our own lives. Okay, that's what Paul's saying. It's actually sowing and ripping. It's not that difficult to understand here what he's, what he's explaining to us. But now Paul gives us three applications of how this looks and how this directly affects our heart and our life. What we put in will affect how we live. First one. First application here that Paul talks about here in this is sowing is actually sowing into gospel ministry, to reap strong, positive spiritual growth. Paul's saying here, support and pay for the ones who teach God's word. Look in verse 6. Let the one who is taught, so the people who are taught, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. It's a, this is a money subject Paul's talking about here and this can be very touchy sometimes and particularly touchy so because over the last year or so we've seen some big name churches unfortunately be exposed for their extravagant payments to some of their pastors. There's been some mighty downfalls unfortunately and it sort of puts a tarnish upon the church and often people can associate it. money in church that's all they want. But we needn't be embarrassed about verse like this. This is here for us. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit for Paul to write down for the Galatians and for us, for us to think about. The whole purpose for supporting teaching pastors is so they can be freed up to focus on teaching God's word and caring for the community of believers within the church with the time constraints that you have being freed up, not to be caught up doing something else. You can actually put your whole focus and a whole time there to teach God's word and to care for the flock. That's the whole idea of supporting uh, teaching pastors. Now, just a bit of a backstory here with us here at Exchange. We, we, we were a church plant back in 2011. When we first kicked off, we were a very, very small number. I was the lead pastor of the church at the time. There was no support for me whatsoever, and that was totally cool. All good with that. I was able to still work on our orchard business and actually maintain ourselves and to kick this off. We went about a year or so and then the church said, hey, we can think we can do now maybe one or two days a week. So then I became bivocational. I was getting paid for one or two days in the church and I was still working on the orchard property at the same time. Now, by God's grace, um, the church kept growing and as it does, um, as the the lead pastor, you get get squeezed and pressurised for time. So we take this step of faith back in about 2017, We say, I think we can go now to full-time ministry to support me to be able to do that. Now, that was a great step. I'm so thankful for the many, many generous people that did that. But what that did also was free me up with more time to focus on gospel ministry through teaching God's word and ministering to the congregation. You, You see just how that works. And that's exactly what God ordains to take place. It frees us up to be not trying to be in two places at once, which I went through a lot of that, sort of wearing the orchard hat in the morning and the church hat in the afternoon. Now, just to let you know here, you might be thinking, well, well, how does ministry pay work at Exchange Church? How does that work? Well, there's two people here on staff. I'm on full-time and Sean's on part-time. So two of us are being supported by the church and we are super, super thankful for that. But let me assure you, that neither Sean or myself, when it comes to negotiating pay, do any negotiating. We actually keep ourselves at arm's length with any negotiating of what we receive in the way of support. We don't go back and forth over a table with an arm wrestle till we get the best deal we possibly can out of the church. We keep We keep totally separate from that. What happens is the board, they go away, And they work out a package, and I think they uh, contacted um, Baptist churches of Victoria and New South Wales and Queensland, and they took an average of that and took a percentage of that, and then that's what we paid. It's presented to Sean and myself, and we just accept it. We don't sort of come back and say, no, can you give me some more? Can you do this? Can you do that? We're not going to be caught up in that. We want to keep ourselves at arm's length from that. That's what takes place. Now, any of you, if you think, well, what are you getting paid? Feel free to see Doug Andrews, our treasure. Our books are open. We've got nothing to hide, nothing whatsoever to hide. We're here happily to serve the Lord and thankful for the support that we get from that. And again, all of our accounts here, financial accounts, if we want to be seen to be doing the right thing and to be doing the right thing, are all ordered by third-party orders to make sure everything is in line with how we do things. Feel free. Contact Doug. and He will open that up for you and let you see what's happening there but here's Paul's point Paul says we must sow into gospel teaching ministry to enable the community to grow in the gospel and reap spiritually in a mature way Paul says let the one who's taught support with all good things for the one who teaches what does that mean that means if we stop sowing or giving financially into the work of the church for the cause of the gospel, supporting the teaching ministry here at DC, that means Sean and I will have to go out and find some outside work to try and make ends meet. And therefore there will be less ministry able to take place. Praise God that's not happening, but that, that's how the pendulum would swing if it went that way. Now, if you're here for the first time and thinking, well, how do I give here to support the teaching ministry at Exchange Church and gospel ministry as a whole? We do have a wooden box in the back. You can put cash donations in. But also we have online giving as well, which you can find from our website. And we are thankful for every single dollar that comes in to support gospel ministry here at Exchange. If you have any other questions about that, feel free to come and see myself or see Doug as well. What does Jesus ask us? He commands us with the wealth he's given us for the support of gospel ministry to see growth in our lives for his glory and our good, as we free these ones up to do that. If we don't sow into gospel ministry, then we don't reap gospel growth. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Here's the second one that Paul talks about now as he winds up here with the Galatians and also speaks directly to us as well. The second application of sowing and reaping here is our own personal spiritual growth. It's the responsibility that God has given to each and every one of us as individuals to use his means of grace to see us grow in holiness. Have a look in verse 8 here, Galatians 6. For the one who sows to his own flesh, so he's talking sowing and reaping here, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So when Paul says there, sows to his own flesh, Paul's giving us this picture here, perhaps of an open field. Our life is like this open field. And it's ready for someone to sow something into this open field. This is something to sow into your life to produce some type of a harvest of some sort. And if we sow fleshly things, Paul's talking about ungodly things, things of this world, things that aren't of the Lord, ungodly thoughts or sinful desires or even frivolous time-wasting pursuits... Paul says if we do that, amongst many other things, we will will reap or produce a life that ultimately will die spiritually, that will be corrupted. Here's what John Stott said about this particular verse. He says this, and Jerry will put this up for us. To sow to the flesh is to pander to it, to coss it, cuddle and stroke it, instead of crucifying it. The seeds we sow are largely thoughts and deeds. Every time we allow our mind to harbour a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fantasy, or wallow in self-pity, that's not a good thing, to wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh. Every time... We linger in bad company, whose insidious influence we know we cannot resist. In other words, we just get attracted to this purple and we just allow ourselves to be there. Every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up and praying, every time we read pornographic literature, every time we take a risk which strains our self-control, in other words, we are tempting God and pushing ourselves out to limits why we shouldn't have. We are sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh. Some Christians sow to the flesh every day and they wonder why they do not reap holiness. Holiness is a harvest. Whether we reap it or not depends almost entirely on what and where we sow. Really true words here of what John Stott summarises here out of this particular passage. What you or I personally let into our lives will have a direct effect on what our life produces. If we choose bad company, if we choose people who are of an ungodly influence, if we choose people who will lead us astray, that's exactly what will happen. We will be drawn down that pathway. It's the law of sowing and reaping. If you're going to do that, expect that result to come out the other end. What images, what movies, what things we allow our mind to feed on directly affects our spiritual growth. If we fill it up with ungodly rubbish, it becomes rubbish in, rubbish out. It will have a direct effect on our personal walk with the Lord. How much time we waste on frivolous activities will actually affect our spiritual growth. I'll let you in on insight with me. I have a weakness for cricket videos and football videos on YouTube. If I don't watch it, 45 minutes just goes like that and all I've been watching is Ashes highlights from the last 50 years. Now, funny, but I mean... That time just goes. And if I just don't watch it, I can do it again the next day and that night. I just got to watch it. So I just got to switch it off and walk away from it. Because otherwise, I'm just consuming my time with it. Not, it's not benefiting me, really. I'm, I'm enjoying the wickets falling, but I mean, it's frivolous. Now, in moderation, it's totally okay. It's just getting the balance right on those sort of things. I'm not sure what you're into cooking. I don't know. Fishing, camping, four-wheel driving. There could be a whole range of things. They can be great opportunities and great things, but in balance, they're okay. But if they just take over, it actually affects our spiritual growth. It makes sense, doesn't it? Go back to Tim. Tim puts wheat seeds in the ground, and if he pours on top of it all types of poisonous liquids, that's the inputs he's putting into the crop, what do you expect will happen to those wheat seeds? they will cough and splatter and they'll just might get out of the ground and they'll fall over. Because it's, it's the inputs are killing them. But alternatively, Paul says, alternatively, if we sow to the Spirit or follow a Spirit-filled life, he says we will reap or produce an eternal gospel-blessed life filled with Christ's joy. Here's what John's thought again says about this same verse. He says this, by the books we read, by the company we keep... Now, there's two different types of company John Stott's talking about. It was the previous company, the other quote. Different company in this quote. By the company we keep and the leisure occupations we pursue, we can be sowing to the Spirit. Then we are to foster disciplined habits of devotion in private and in public, so that's privately at home and in publicly as we gather together, in daily prayer... Bible reading and in worship with the Lord's people on the Lord's day. All of this, sowing to the Spirit, all of those things, uh, without it, so sorry, all this is sowing to the Spirit. Without it, there can be no harvest of, of the Spirit, no fruit of the Spirit. That's true. That's right you put these good things into your life, you let your life dwell on these good things, surely the good things will flow out from a life like that. What is it? We are taking hold here of the means of grace or the inputs that the Holy Spirit gives us and that we put them into our lives. As we do that, reading the Bible... Spending time in prayer, spending time in fellowship, serving a whole range of things. As we do that, what do we do? We grow in Christ-likeness. We grow in holiness. We grow in joy. We grow in strength to love and to serve Christ and to love and serve others. Paul says something similar here to the Colossians in chapter 3. He says this, Set your mind on the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. That's sowing to the Spirit. Set our minds on the truth of who God is set our minds on the wonder of the gospel, set our minds on the person of Christ. That is why regularly here we encourage Bible reading. Now we don't want to sort of just you know, say it, do it again, but we know that these are the means of grace. These are the means of growing in Christ. We read our Bibles, we receive strength and encouragement and understanding from that. We encourage prayer, we encourage corporate gatherings Sunday and midweek, not just on Sunday, but through the week as well, whether it's small group or youth or whatever. All these things are there to foster our growth, help us to grow, to sow to the Spirit so that we reap a spiritual life. We know all these things are what we call gospel inputs. They'll help us to produce the life that we want. It's like Tim again, sowing the seed... But this time what Tim does is he gives that seed generous amounts of fertiliser and water. What do you expect? Good, strong wheat bursting out of the ground, producing a beautiful crop. Because he's put the right inputs into it. He expects something good to come out the other end. And we are responsible for what we sow into our lives. It's not mum or dad or it's not someone else. It's the choices that we make. It's the inputs that we put into our lives. Here's the third application that Paul has here for us. And this application is about resilience and perseverance to keep doing good deeds. Have a look in verses 9 and 10. Paul says there, And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Paul's encouraging us here, keep doing good things, keep doing good works, keep doing good deeds, generous acts, kind gestures, helping others. And Paul says, especially do this for the household of faith or our brothers and sisters in Christ. That doesn't mean we don't help anybody else, but surely within our own family and our church family, hey, let's make sure they're right here. And then we can extend that also into the community and love and share what we have with them to help them as well. Now Paul doesn't tell us what we're going to reap here, he just says don't grow weary in doing good. But I'm thinking of this in the sense of reaping. Here's what I think maybe we could reap. If we sow or do these good deeds, I think what we'll do there in, making those, in doing those good deeds is we'll make Jesus look great through our transformed lives. As we do good things, it reflects the transformation that Christ has made through us. So that's what we sow. We sow that into people's lives, both within and also outside the church. And here's what I hope that we'll reap as we sow those good deeds. I think it's this. Opportunities, hopefully, to speak to others about Jesus. Why are you doing these good deeds? Why do you keep doing this good thing? well then we may get an opportunity to tell them about Christ and the change he's made in our life and what he's done for us and what he's also done for them if they'll just put their faith and their trust in him. Hopefully it allows those opportunities to open up. But we also could reap this. Over the last few decades, um, Christianity is actually getting quite a bit of pressure and pushback upon it from where it used to be culturally. There's actually people pushing back against uh, what... Christians stand for. So I'm hoping in these difficult days as we do these good deeds in the face of the pushback or the face of the pressure that we will confound those who are wanting to put pressure on Christianity by the good deeds that we keep doing in response to perhaps their pressure against us. They might respond like this, you know, we make it harder and harder for these Christians to sort of live their life out here in this world but I can't work these people out. They actually just keep loving on us and they keep doing good things for us. This should confound them. Here's an example I've shared before, and I think it's just a beautiful uh, example of it. Uh, those of you who might know Randy Alcorn, he's quite a vocal uh, opponent against abortion in America. He actually spent a night in prison uh, in, in sort of demonstrating against abortions over there. Well, the pro-abortion came to his church... And they wanted to stop people getting in and just just becoming a general nuisance. So Randy Alcorn says, okay, here's what we're going to do, church. Let's go out and buy cups of coffee and cook hot dogs and take it out to the protesters. You wouldn't expect them to do that, would you? But here's like a good deed saying, hey, we want to love you people. We don't stand for what you stand for, but it's just loving people in the face of that pressure and that challenge. Paul says, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep at it, says Paul. Persevere in doing these good deeds. It can seem tiring. It can seem futile. I keep doing these good deeds and I don't see any gain. I don't see any reward. I don't see anything for it. Paul says, keep doing it. Don't think, what's the point? It's not working. I'm frustrated by all this. I do all these things and these people still give me a hard time. Paul says, keep doing it. Why? Why? Because Jesus walked the road to Calvary all the way up that hill, carrying that cross, copping abuse every step of the way, dying for our sins. He never once gave up and turned around and said, I'm going home. He kept doing the greatest good deed we could ever imagine in dying in our place upon that cross. Keep doing it, Paul says. Keep doing it. Don't grow weary in doing good. Now there's Paul's applications here, but he's also got a warning in this passage for us as well. And we need to take heed of this warning. Have a look in verse 7 again. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. That's a warning there Paul's giving to us, each and every one of us. Don't let the world or our darkened mind feed you with its lies and deceive the way that you're thinking. Don't let it do that. I don't have to give to the church. I don't have to support gospel ministry. It's my money. I've worked really hard for this. I'll look after me first, and then I might think about a few charities after and I'll give to them. others can give to the church. They could support gospel ministry, but not me. God says he will not be mocked. Don't be deceived. He's put these principles in place. If you don't sow into gospel ministry, you'll lose gospel ministry. And thereby, stifle your growth. And we become the big losers out of that. We deceive ourselves think, ah, someone else can do this. You might think like this. There's nothing wrong with the company that I keep. They're good friends. I really enjoy them. They're not that bad. That's how you might think in your mind. I have loads of fun with them. I hang out with them every Friday and say, oh, they are so much fun. Mm, There's a bit of stuff that I'm uncomfortable with, but it doesn't really affect me. That's how you might think. It's interesting, you know, when we think that way and choose that pathway of allowing that sort of corrupting influences to come into our life, we actually become very good at hiding it. We can hide it for a long time. We can hide it from our parents. We can hide it from our friends. We can hide it from people within the church. Our parents really don't know. We're just hiding it from all these people. And we sometimes think, I don't even think God knows. I seem to be getting away with it. We can do a great job at nearly hiding it from everybody. But Paul says here, we're ultimately deceiving ourselves. Don't, be mo- don't mock God. Don't think you're pulling the wool over God's eyes. What you put into your life in the way of influences will have a direct effect on how your life produces out the other side. At the end of the day, we're only deceiving ourselves, Paul says. What the Holy Spirit says to us today, if we think that way. I don't need to be regular at church gathering. I don't need that. I can do well without church. I can grow spiritually without them. Paul says don't be deceived. Don't mock God. Don't knock back what God is giving you to help you grow. You're only deceiving yourself. If we sow to the flesh or put into our lives ungodly behaviour, that's what we'll reap, that's the harvest we'll produce. Sometimes we wonder why we're going backwards spiritually. Why do I seem to be so dry? Why, we, why am I feeling a bit cold about all this? Well, then we start to see these things that were just dropping off the pace. These are the things God's given to us to sow into our lives to keep growing, to remain strong. Two responses here today as we think about what Paul's saying and what God's Spirit's saying to us as we think about this here. We can hear this, and you've all been blessed with the ability to hear, and I'm hopefully I've communicated well enough that you can understand it. We can hear this and we can use the Spirit's power and prompting and change what we're putting into our life. We can take hold of the means of grace that God gives to us God's Word, prayer, fellowship, and a host of other really good, godly inputs into our lives, we can hear that, we can take hold of that, and we can then see the Holy Spirit grow us in joy and strength in Christ, experience his blessing, if we want to take hold of that, if we want to input that into our lives. We can hear it that way, or we can hear it like this. We can respond in deception. We can fool ourselves and think... I don't need it. I'm getting quite, uh, getting by quite all right in my life. I don't need the things that God provides. I'll keep watching anything I like on TV or Netflix or whatever. I'll keep hanging out with all these ungodly friends. And by the way, I'm not saying don't have connections with them. Just don't make them your main source of influence in their life. I'll just keep hanging out with these ungodly friends. And I'll feed my mind on anything I choose. I'll keep sowing and putting into my life whatever I want to put into my life. You can respond like that. If you do that, though, we're told what's going to happen. You'll slide down the path of deception. You'll be deceived all the way to the end until you are spiritually killing yourself. We are responsible for the choices that we put in our lives. Paul says, what we sow, not someone else's sowing into my life, it's what I'm allowing into my life. It's what I'm sowing into my life. We are responsible for what we see and what we hear and what we let in. God's made us as responsible, accountable people. What we put in is what we'll reap. This is the beautiful message of the Gospel. It's redeeming us today if we care to hear that and listen to that. We're asking for the Holy Spirit to just unveil our eyes, and actually Arrest us from going down this pathway of putting this rubbish into my life. The gospel there is to redeem us and bring us back to put the good things into our life so that we live a God honouring and a Christ like life. The choice is yours. I can't make you do it. You need to make that choice today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can uh, come towards the end of the book of Galatians and we just thank you, Lord, for the truth that you are sowing into our hearts today. What we sow is what we'll reap. What we put in is what we will produce out the other side. Lord, every one of us has mixed inputs in our lives at times. So this really speaks to all of us today. But Lord, I pray particularly for those ones who have really gone down that path of deception. Where they just think, I know what I'm doing, it's all good, I'm under control. Lord, please awaken them from that deception, I pray. Help them to just step back and see what their life is producing at this time. And I pray, Lord, by the strength of your spirit that you would open up their eyes to that and just be liberated into a Christ-honoring, God-exalting life and experience that joy and that peace and that strength as we choose the right inputs, the inputs that you've given to us. And Lord, I pray that through that you would uh, redeem these ones, set them free, Lord, and that you would be honoured and glorified through that now. And we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.